Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you this is the year of increase. In blessing, God will bless us. In multiplying, He will multiply us. And this year, increase is coming on every side. In every area of your life. I want to continue my teaching on managing the increase. I want to hope that the past one week, many have been doing some planning, setting some important goals for 2022. The increase that you want is not going to be accidental. All right. The book of Matthew chapter 14. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. And it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. I want to read this in New King James. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. The disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remained. Amen. We've been studying from this miracle, which happens to be the key scripture for our team this year. This miracle that is recorded in all the, all the four Gospels. And from this important miracle, we are learning some important principles that teaches us how we can manage the increase that God is bringing into our life this year. The first principle is avoid waste. Avoid waste. The second principle is increase your capacity. The third one is planning. Plan for the year. Plan the increase that you want this year. Today I'm talking about the fourth principle is have a vision for your life. Have a vision for your life. The Bible said Jesus took the bread. He looked at the bread. Then he looked up to heaven. Then he blessed the bread. Then he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. Now, the important thing you see there is that Jesus saw beyond the five loaves of bread. He looked at it. There's a difference between looking and seeing. When you look, all you see is the physical reality. But when you see, you make observations beyond what is apparent, beyond what is real. And there is always more than what is real. Your life as I see it now is not all that you look now. Everybody is looking good as seated here in church, but that is not all your life is about. There is more to your life than what anybody can look at. And not only your life, everything on the earth, there is more to it than what looks obvious. Vision is the ability to see beyond what is obvious. 
Vision is seen beyond what is natural. Vision is seeing what the physical eyes cannot see. So when we talk about the word vision, we are looking at the fact that Jesus could have looked at five loaves of bread and joined the disciples and say, we can't do much. Now listen to the question from the disciples. There is a little boy here with five loaves of bread. But Jesus, you know it can't do anything. That is seen in the natural. There is a boy here with only five loaves of bread and two fish. But Jesus took that bread and he could see beyond just five loaves of bread. He could see that this bread, with God's blessing on it, God's power on it, it can feed 5,000. And the important principle you will learn from here is that your life is much more than the way you are right now. Your life is much bigger, much better, much greater than where you are now, than how you are now, than how much money you have now, than what situation you are now. Your life is not all it is now. There is more to your life. Vision is ability to see more about yourself than the way it is now. Dr. Otabo defined a vision as a clear mental picture of your future. A clear mental picture of your future. Vision is the picture of what you were born to be. It is the picture of what you were born to be. What was on God's mind the day you were born? The day you were born, everybody saw a little tiny baby crying and making a lot of noise. But nobody could tell beyond that. Especially if you don't look nice when you were a baby. If you look nice a little, people will like you. Everybody wants to carry you. But you don't look nice at all and you disturb a lot. Everybody will be wondering what trouble has come here. Only God can see that that baby, Bible said, God said to Rebecca, two nations are in your womb. Two nations are in your womb. And two different people are going to be separated in your womb. But the younger will be greater than the older. The two will be great, but the greatness of the younger will be much more than that of the older. So when Rebecca gave birth to twins and carried each baby in his hands, what everybody did not know is that this woman was carrying two nations. The reason why everybody called the younger boy Jacob, which means a cheat or an extortioner or a crook, is because they were only looking at his behavior as a baby. They were not looking at what he was born to become. They did not know that that baby that was behaving strange and funny was going to become a nation called Israel. The most blessed nation in the world on the planet today is Israel. And that whole nation was squeezed up into one baby that was behaving funny and people could have the audacity to say, this child will be a crook. Vision is the picture of what you were born to become. What was I born to become? What were you born to become? What did God create you for? Did he create you to become a struggler on this earth, a confused person, tossed here and there with 
problems and troubles and confusion and pain? Is that why he created you? Do you think that is why he created you? He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you came out from your mother's womb, I already ordained you. Ordain means appoint somebody, you know, set somebody apart for a specific assignment. The day you, you landed on the planet, what did God say? There is a future for every child of God. Life is not only today. Life has three major seasons. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In other words, the past, the present, and the future. So if you are in the present, don't make the mistake to equate the present with the future. Because if they were the same, they should have had the same name. The fact that there is the present and then there is another season called the future means they are not the same. And this morning I came to tell somebody, your future is different from your present. Let me say it better. Your future is better than your present. In the name of Jesus, your future is better than your present. Let's read Genesis 15 from verse 3. Then Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Abraham had no child. Every day God comes around to fellowship with him. One day Abraham got tired. He said, God, stop playing with me. You can't be coming around here like that and leave me the way I am. Every day you come and talk about big, big, big things in the future. I realized that most of the time God doesn't like to talk about what you are going through now. He talks about your future. Why? Because he knows the present is temporary. Amen. Your present is temporary. I came to announce to somebody under the sound of my voice that your present situation is temporary. Amen. Stop celebrating it. Stop entertaining it. Stop patronizing your present situation. The reason why I don't like talking too much about my problems is because it's temporary. If you are not careful, you make it permanent. Stop giving it too much attention. It will come to pass. Look, you have given me no child. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. You know, that means Abraham did not have a child. He looked at his age, then he prepared a will. Give me verse 3 again. Abraham said to God, there's a baby that was born in my house. It wasn't my own child. One of my servants gave birth to a child. I looked at him, I willed everything to him. He said, someone born in my house is my heir. That means I have willed everything to him. Some of you, after today, you are going to go back, take a pen and paper, and rewrite your destiny. Because everything you have written initially is complete mistake. In the name of Jesus. Everything the devil made you write, you are going to change it. Because there's something better and bigger about to happen in your life this year. Verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir. In other words, Abraham, that will is complete mistake. The guy you willed your belongings to, he's not your heir. In other words, Abraham had concluded, at my age, I'll never have a child again. And because you don't know when anybody will die, let me will everything to this boy. This boy looks good enough. But God came to him and said, that boy will not be your heir. But one who will come out from your own body shall be. In other words, you are going to give birth. Your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Abraham had no idea that at that age, any human being should have hope. And this morning I came to tell you, 
in that situation of yours, there is hope. If the devil told you, if your friends told you, sometimes the worst people to predict your future are your friends. Why? They know you too well. They know how many times you tried and you failed. They know all your weaknesses. They know what you have been through. They know even your character. They know. And after they put everything on the table and they evaluate you, then they can predict you. But I came to tell you that no prediction of a man concerning your life can ever be accurate. That is what I was told before. You cannot preach. I was told when God called me, I went to my pastor. I told him I feel God is calling me. My pastor told me, I believe God may be calling you, but not to preach. What am I doing now? Am I preaching? Am I preaching good? Even my pastor missed it. Even my pastor. I'm talking about I was living with him in the house, but he got it all wrong. Because I was very quiet and shy. I don't like trouble. I don't like anybody's trouble. Very reserved, typical introvert. One of my aunties asked me before, Mensa, I hear you are now a pastor. I said, yes. He said, I want to ask you something. Don't be annoyed. I said, no problem. She said, can you preach? I'm telling you truth before God. She said, the day she heard I've become a pastor, she told herself, who has troubled my son like that? But the day I landed in that small room in Golokwati at 3.15 p.m., 30th June, God said in heaven, another man of God has been born. My parents had no idea. My siblings had no idea. My aunties had no idea. Nobody knew anything. Even my teachers in school didn't know I would be a pastor. No friends of mine knew I would be a pastor. Only God knows. And I came to tell you today, everything they told you, your parents, your teachers, your friends, everything they told you is all wrong. This year, we are going to go back to God. We are going to take everything they told you about your life. And we're going to throw it into the trash can, into the dustbin. And we are going to go back to God and say, Lord, I know you have a plan for my life. I am ready to see all that my life is about. Show me what my life is all about. I'm telling you, this year you are going to discover who you are. And your life is going to change. Your life is going to change. You are going to become confident. You will never wish you were somebody else again the rest of your life. Verse 5, and then he brought Abraham outside and said, look now toward heaven. God said to Abraham, I think your location is a problem. Come out from the tent. Come out. Today I pray that somebody will come out from some tents in the name of Jesus. Sometimes I like to go places. Because there are places you stay, you become very limited. I like to go places sometimes. Sometimes it's good to just go places. Travel a little, see things, get exposure, move out of your neighborhood, go around some places, look at life. Because there are some places when you are there, even when God is talking to you, I'll tell you, you won't believe it. You need to go somewhere else in order to believe. God said, Abraham, come out from the tent. Today I pray that somebody will come out. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. He said, come out from the tent and look toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants 
be. Only God can talk to a man that has no child, a childless father. Only God can look at him and say, do you see the stars? Count it. Your descendants will be like that. And God did that because God wanted to change Abraham's perception, his foresight. Every night when Abraham goes out in the night and sees the stars, he said, thank you, Lord. You spoke to me. And you know, in the night, the stars will always come out in the night. Abraham could never forget. Vision helps you to see beyond your present situation and see into the future. Isaiah 46 verse 10, it says that God calls the end from the beginning. He said, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do my pleasure. God never starts anything until he has first finished. And God never sees anything until it is already done. Can I say that again? God never starts anything until it is first finished. And he never says anything unless it is already done. So if God tells you, you are going to be a multi-millionaire, he is telling you something he has already done. You know, by God's grace, I am able to see into the spirit once in a while. And there are many times I have seen things about people that I completely doubted. Completely doubted. All my life, God has always proved to me that we are always getting it wrong by judging people according to how they look now. I have said things to people I did not believe. I don't know whether it was last year or last two years. I called a young man forward here. I said, I see you driving your own car to church. I did not believe it because I knew too much what that guy was going through at that time. I knew enough that how to even get food to eat was struggle. But the Lord told me, pray for him. I called him forward and I said, you know, most of the time, the more I doubt it, the more I say it publicly. Before Christmas, this young man came to me. He said, Pastor, I want to come and pray over my car. God never starts anything unless he has first finished. So long before you were born, God had already finished your life. He planned it to the end. You know, last week I was driving and they were playing some old numbers. Some of you don't understand what I mean by numbers. They were playing some old numbers on the radio. And one of them was my favorite. So I was listening and I was nodding my head and I was laughing and I was thinking back to when I was young and I was a teenager. And then my mind began to go to all my friends and all our, our lives. And I started saying, so God, all along I was doing all these things. What were you thinking? You see, I understood if God had not already planned my life to the end before I was born. There is no way I could have wandered into that kind of life and yet find my way here preaching to you today. So I was laughing in the car. I said, God, you were just not bothered all that life I was living. You see, God wasn't bothered. He said, you do whatever you like. I know what I created you for. 
I know God was saying those times, you, you know, when the right time comes, nobody will tell you to change. Nobody will tell you to take the microphone. God said to Jeremiah, before you were born, before, 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 I already ordained you a prophet. Did Jeremiah start prophet, prophesying the day he was born? No. He had to go through the process. He cried like every one of us. He misbehaved as a baby like any one of us. He pooped on himself sometimes. We weed in bed sometimes. Yeah, he cried. He misbehaved. Maybe he stole his mother's money when he was young. I'm looking at people's faces. <laughs> Do I have some witnesses here? Especially those of us whose mothers were selling in the house. You know, my mother was a trader. He stole foodstuffs, fish, oil, cassava, everything you want in the, in the barracks, my mother was selling. And we helped to sell, and we also took our share. <laughs> Jeremiah did all that. He fought sometimes. He probably joined, you know, some bad boys. But there came a time, there came a time, he discovered this is what I was born to be. And he turned, and he focused on it. And the grace began to flow. God declares the end from the beginning. So you begin here, but he will show you where the end. Everybody say the end. And that's what we call vision. Vision is not who is doing me. Who is the reason why I'm suffering like this? That's not vision. Vision is where will I be 10 years from now? Vision is by the time I'm 60, how will my life be? What will I be doing? Where will I be? What will be my achievements? By the time I'm 70, what will I be doing? That is vision. I want to tell you one important law. There's something called the law of vision. Genesis 13 verse 14. The law of vision says what you see is what you get. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lord has separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Look at verse 15. It's very powerful. For all the land which you what? See. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. God said to Abraham, it depends on what you see. It depends on what you see. All the land which you see, I will give to you, not only to you, but to your descendants. That means your vision can even affect your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Verse 16, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its breadth, for I give it to you. God said to Abraham, don't stand at one place, because you can't see far at one place. Walk through the land, travel through the land. Israel is 80 miles by 200. 80 miles by 200. Very small country. That's how far Abraham saw. It could have been bigger. It's not God's fault that Israel is a small country. In those days, that distance was a big deal. So Abraham said, this is enough for me. A man with no child. Why worry yourself having a continent? Jeremiah chapter 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? I came to talk to somebody. What do you see? What are you seeing about yourself? You become exactly what you see. You become exactly what you see. If you think what you see about yourself is not good for your future, change it. You become exactly what you see about yourself. What do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, I see a branch 
of an almond tree. In other words, God was showing Jeremiah a vision. That's one powerful thing about a prophetic ministry. Sometimes I ask God, why should a man of God call somebody and tell him what he has seen and pray for him before you do it? I mean, why, God, why don't you just go ahead and do it? But there's a principle in the spirit. God was showing Jeremiah a vision, but God said, let me be sure Jeremiah saw the right thing. Because the miracle is very, very, very much determined by what he saw. And if you go to somebody to prophesy over your life who can't see things right, you are in a hell of a trouble. I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. God will perform to the extent of your vision. God will perform to the extent of your vision. God can only perform to the extent of your vision. If you can't see it, God cannot do it. If you don't see it, he will not do it. He performs according to how far you can see. So let me introduce you another law called the law of double creation. This one is not scripture, it's psychology. But they borrowed it from the Bible. That's why I have a right to talk about it. One psychologist by name Stephen Covey, one of the most outstanding leadership gurus uh, in America said that all things are created twice. The first one is mental creation, and the second one is physical creation. Everything you see on earth today was created twice, including this microphone I hold. In fact, including the PowerPoint you are reading. The PowerPoint you are reading, it happened first in my mind. I have to put my thoughts together. God didn't write the PowerPoints for me. God only told me, teach about vision. I had to plan how the presentation should be. Where do I start? Which scriptures can I use? Which illustrations can I use? Where do I end? Everything was planned in my mind. Then I took my pen and paper and I created it, the physical one, and gave it to multimedia to do a nice design. This microphone existed first in the mind of the manufacturer. Even you, you were created twice, first in God's mind, that's why he said, before you were born, he knew you. Where were you? On his mind. Everything was created twice. The second principle of that loss is that not all first creations are by conscious design. That means not everything that we see around is a result of an intentional design in the mind of the creator. That's why there's good and bad. Everything chaotic everything disastrous, everything undesired was not created by a conscious design. It was just allowed to happen. You know, some people you meet and they will tell you, oh, what will be, will be. What will be, will be. If it's my trouble, it will come. If it's not my trouble, it won't come. No matter what you do, if it's not my trouble, it won't come. But the law of life says every effect has a cause. Every fruit has a seed. Everything you reap, you sowed it. Every output is a result of an input. That is the principle of life. It goes across everywhere. It's science in everything. So not all first creations are a result of conscious design. But the dangerous thing is that the second creation is a manifestation of the first creation. Every first creation will happen as a second one. In other words, what happened in the mind will happen in the physical. This is exactly what God told Abraham. As far as you can see, I will give it to you. He said to Jeremiah, you have seen well. I am now ready to perform. Now, this principle says that many people are victims. Let me say it better. We are either the second creation of our own proactive design 
In other words, we design where we want to go in life, and it happens, or we refuse to design where we want to go in life, and somebody else will design it for us. And many people today are experiencing things they don't like because they did not consciously take responsibility for determining how their future should be. They allow other people to predict it for them. They allow circumstances to determine it. They allowed society, everything. Listen, we live in a world, everything is working against your progress. Everything is working against a great future for you. But you need to know, as a child of God, how to move your life beyond all the odds by having a vision. In fact, vision is so important that the number one work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to give us vision. Joel 2.28, Joel 2.28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. What will be the effect of the outpouring of the spirit? He said, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. What does it mean to prophesy? To speak about the future. To speak beyond the present. There are different dimensions of the prophetic. This scripture is talking about the anointing coming upon your life and you begin to speak concerning your own life. When the anointing comes upon you, you can never continue to lament about your present troubles. The anointing will compel you to speak about the future. That is why I encourage people, don't hang around people who are always lamenting about your problem. Don't hang around people who are always sympathizing with your problem. It looks like love, but it's actually not. Hang around people who speak about your future. Who tell you, brother, it will be well. Brother, it will not be like this forever. Brother, I see your future and it's great. This is why it's not permanent. It is temporary. Brother, you are going to overcome. You are more than a conqueror. You can overcome this. You can move forward. Hang around people, even when you give up on yourself, they have not given up. Because whether you like it or not, there comes a time you're like, you will give up. I'm telling you, problems in life will knock you hard. There was a time in my life, the only reason why I didn't stop ministry is because somebody else believed me in me. As for me, I had no hope, I'm telling you. But I was so fortunate, I had somebody, one person, who believed that I can make it. And every time I go to my pastor, I kept wondering, what did this man see about me? The way he's talking and the things I'm going through, they don't correspond. I said, well, if I give up, I will disappoint him, so let me continue. There was a time in my life, all that kept me going was that my pastor believed there's something great about my life. You need people like that in your life. Not people tell you, don't forget where you are coming from. Don't forget the situation we are in. You look too happy. Have you forgotten the problem? Whether I'm happy, I'm sad, problem is there. Let me be happy. I will pour out my spirit. Listen, if you are born again, the Holy Spirit is in you. Everybody listening to me? If you are born again, the Holy Spirit is where? In you. Somebody say, I have the Holy Spirit. The Bible said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the first thing it does is that he empowers you to prophesy. Number two, to dream dreams. He said, your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. The word dreams and visions, they mean the same thing. They are pictures of the future. Why will the Holy Spirit consider it so important that every person he comes into must have a dream? must have a vision. Why? Because without it, you cannot move from where you are. Without a vision. Proverbs 29, 18, he said, where there is no vision, where there is no vision, 
people remain like that. They perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. So without a vision, life will never change. And that is why I came to challenge everybody today. It's time for you to have a vision for your life. And I'm not talking about going to a prophet to ask him, what do you see about my future? Especially if you don't have any offering. What you may hear may not be good. And the time you need to have a vision most is the time you don't have any money. There are things a prophet can never see about you. And like I told you, even if they see it, sometimes they can doubt it. But God wants to show it to you yourself. And this week, as we fast and pray, I'm praying God will open somebody's mind. How do I receive a vision from God? Number one, get close to God. Get close to God. Get closer to God in fasting, in prayer. Spend time with God. One of the things I like so much is retreats. I like personal retreats. Because we are spirit beings living in a real world. We are spirit beings. You are not a natural person. You are a spirit being. When you give you that, you are a spirit being living in a human body. You can't eat seven days a week. I cannot eat seven days a week. My normal life is three days every week I fast. I eat four days. Three days every week I fast. The last week of every month, I do seven days. And most of the times, I do that one without real food. That's why I'm always in the spirit, ready for anything. Number two, pray and ask God to show you what you were born to be. Lord, what is my life all about? What was I born to be? What did you create me for? Why am I on the earth? What am I here for? You need to ask God questions. Jeremiah 33 verse 3. Call unto me and I will answer. You can never receive answers from God unless you ask him the right questions. And my emphasis on the right questions. Don't ask the wrong questions. Wrong questions like, Lord, why me? What is my life about? What was I born to be? What did you create me for? Lord, I want to know. I cannot continue to live my life Anyhow, I want to know, I want to leave the exact blueprint of my destiny. This year, I pray for you that you will get to discover. Because when you discover who you really are, you become a very dangerous person. Satan can't handle you anymore. Number three, note all your deep convictions about your future. Sometimes vision can come to you like a personal conviction. When you say vision, it's not always you slept and you dream or you, you are praying and you saw some visions. No. Sometimes personal convictions and strong desires that you can never get out of your mind is the vision God has given you. Strong desires, strong convictions. Dr. Otabel said when he was 14 years, he knew. He just knew. They asked him, how did you know? He said, I can't tell. I didn't see any vision. I didn't hear any voice. Angels didn't appear. He said when he was 14, he just knew that he was going to be a pastor. So he said from 14 years to 24 years, 10 years, every day he fasted. That's the kind of fasting we call compulsory fasting. Instead of sitting down and saying, Lord, why am I suffering like this? Am I not going to die of hunger? You can use it to what? Fast. Dr. Otabel's life. 10 solid years he said every day he fasted. Every day. You see, everybody's success, there's a story behind the glory. And somebody here, that problem you are in, probably is a setup for your greatness. But because you don't have a vision, when he knew I'm going to be a pastor, he began to use the 
the problems as an advantage. He said when he, be, when he got to the age of 24, another conviction came to him. You are going to have your own church and it's going to be an international. That's why I named the church International Central Gospel Church. He was 24 years when he started the church. And this church we call ICGC, it started in a classroom in Kanda Estates with 26 members. Now, a church of the pastor is 24 years old. Young man, mm, young man, not young boy, of 24 years, is standing with a few members in a classroom. They used to play the classroom desk tables as the instruments. It's like as if they were just playing. But from that small church, they used lantern as light in the classroom. God birthed ICGC. So that little life of yours, that little business, there's something great in there, but you need to see it. Your deep convictions, your deep convictions, your strong desires, that will never leave you. No matter what situation, you know, the thing is there. Number four, this is a question. This is one way you can write your vision down. If you have all the money in the world, what achievements will you consider as the most significant achievement that you want to pursue? If you had all the money in the world, what are the things that you will value most as your best achievements that you want to be remembered for? That is your vision. So how to write down your vision is just pretend that you have all the money in the world because vision brings the provision. Vision brings what? Provision. Just pretend that you have all the money in the world and ask yourself, what are the most significant achievements that I want to pursue in life that I will be glad? One day when you are no more, when they say, who is Henry Hubert? What do I want to be remembered for? Yeah, write them down. Your, all your passionate desires, write it down. Write them down. Write them down. That's how to receive a vision from God. Don't go to any prophet, please. Prophets are not called in the New Testament to give people visions about their life. That's not the work of a prophet. Prophets are called to see things about what God wants to do to solve your problems and pray with you that it will come to pass. Number two, prophets are called to see into what God wants to do in your future and pray for you that it will come to pass. Amen? If a prophet calls you and says you are going to be a millionaire, if you don't see that millionaire yourself, it will never happen. And I can bet you, I can bet you, most of the times, what your real vision for life is, the time you need to know, no prophet will tell you. Because your situation will be so bad. No prophet is even interested in prophesying to you. You know, prophets want to prophesy to you when they see that now things, things are fine with you. When they see the size of your car, the prophecy increases. When they see your friend, in fact, it multiplies. But when they see your shoe and is, is begging for retirement, no prophet wants to waste his anointing. I am telling you my personal experience. Why is vision important? Vision makes you see beyond where you are now. It gives you hope for the future. Vision makes you see that God did not set you up for disgrace to be destroyed. Yes! Vision will make you see that where you are now is not a setup for disgrace. That where you are now is just a temporary situation. Vision gives you a sense of direction. Vision makes you know, I am going somewhere in life. 
Victim makes you never to regret you were born. You know people wish they were not born? Tell me about anybody who committed suicide. The person had no vision. He thought life is not worth living anymore. Vision is completely absent. And somebody on the sound of my voice, let not the devil deceive you that your life is worthless and useless. Your life is not hopeless. There's a future for you. There is hope for you. In the name of Jesus. Your life will not remain like this forever. You are going somewhere. Where you are now is not your destination. Yeah, vision makes you not to compete with anybody. Yeah, vision tells you you are one unique person. Vision will make you celebrate yourself. You never wish you were somebody. God created you unique, good enough for your purpose. Vision makes you never to look down on yourself. Not to look down on yourself. Vision makes you a confident person. With no money in your pocket, confident. Vision makes you not to apologize for your situation. Like me as I am, if you don't like me, that's your problem. No apologies. I used to wear shoes under my holes, but I preach faith to my congregation. I used to have only two trousers and two long sleeve shirts. When I, when I became a pastor, I did not have a suit. I did not have a suit. I was pastoring for two years before I bought my first jacket at Cantamantu. Cantamantu. No, that one was not bent down. It was hung. It was hung. It was hung, at least. Hallelujah. I can still remember that day. I bought it. And I, I, I went to a place. They sell these shining buttons, metal buttons. So I bought them, six of them. Then I took it to the tailors who do the alterations. I said, fix these buttons. The first day I wore that jacket to church, it was revival. <laughs> but meet any of members of my church that time. They will tell you. I used to tell them, I will preach the gospel around the world. I used to tell them, I'll be on radio. I'll be on TV. I'll write books. I used to tell them, I'm going to be a multi-millionaire. When I had no money to take care of myself, I used to tell them, yes, yes. I used to tell them, everything I'm seeing happen. In fact, if you meet many of those members right now, they will tell you they are not surprised what God is doing in my life at all. My life is not a surprise to my old members. It may be surprise you. Because vision makes you look beyond where you are now. I never preach my problems since I became a pastor. Never. I never make my congregation feel sorry for me. Never. Why? I knew it is temporary. I knew. I knew it. I used to pastor a church. Only bicycles parked in front. Only bicycles. The day somebody comes with a motorbike, that is real visitation. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. This is my life. You know, I was pastoring in Jessica, and um, after two years, my praise and worship leader, his name is Francis, he bought some old taxi and brought it to church. That was the first time a car parked in front of my church. It was an old taxi. That day I felt very great. And after church, he has to take me home. Come and see how I sat at the front. And I put my shoulder on the... Do you understand what I mean? Hallelujah. So that everybody will know my member has bought a car. Only a vision can make me come this far and not be complacent. I have never looked at this church 
and felt I have arrived. In fact, I have never felt I have even reached anywhere. I have never looked at our car park and felt, wow, never. People haven't seen half of what I'm seeing. The titles, you can't count it. When there is no vision, little things excite you till you are destroyed. Oh, I'm telling you. Because if you live in a kiosk all your life, the day you rent a chamber and hall, if you are not careful, eh, if you don't have a vision, that chamber and hall, which is not yours, you rented it, that chamber and hall can become your stumbling block. Because you think you have arrived. Because you never dreamt that you too, one day, you can carry your money, count it, and give it to a landlord. I have seen poverty upon poverty. But I don't think I'm rich yet. Money doesn't do anything to me. You can't tell when I have it or I don't have it. If you want to study my mood to determine my pocket, you will always be deceived. I came to challenge somebody. Have a vision. Because when there is no vision, people live frivolously, aimlessly. You see, your vision determines the people you associate with. The vision, your vision determines how you live your life, the decisions you make today. Oh, yes. I used to ask myself, what does it take to be invited to speak in countries? Then I realized that they won't invite you to come and say stories. They won't invite you to come and say nothing. So I started studying. In Jessica, there's a library there. I was one of the regular persons in that library. And the librarian told me, why is it that you pastors like reading like that? I asked him why. He said, Achu Manasseh used to be come here every day. You know Prophet Achu Manasseh? Yeah. He said, Achu Manasseh used to come here. Now he's gone to Accra. You two, you are coming. I told him, me too, I'm, I'll be going soon. <laughs> if you come to my house today, my library can really, really, really make you think I'm mad. Because the kind of books, some of the books on my shelf is not for pastors, but I have them. Why? My vision tells me, you need to read this. The vision I have determines even the courses I choose to, to do at school. My vision tells me exactly what kind of course to go and do. Because it's not enough to say you to have a certificate. Vision directs every single decision. Things you should do, things you should not do. The reason why I discipline myself, listen, the reason why I keep myself, hello, from doing things other pastors do is because my vision tells me if you do this thing, you won't arrive there. That's what I advise myself about girls. I know what one girl is capable of doing to my vision. One girl is enough to render your whole vision. And I'm asking myself, these great things I have seen, is that one girl worth it? Is she worth it? And then I tell myself, no. Then I tell myself, thou shalt not do it. <laughs> so I have been tempted before, but I have not committed adultery before since I married. It is not because I am a special man. Certain things keep constraining me and informing my mind that this thing is not worth it. Let me close by saying this. If you don't have a vision, all your goals could be wrong. Couldn't finish my, but I think this is enough for you. Is it not? Let me close by saying this. Without a vision, you could set the wrong goals. What is the connection between goals and vision? Vision is your whole life, beginning to the end. Goals are periodic targets that helps you fulfill the vision for your whole life. So if you don't know the vision for your life, you can't set goals that will fit into the vision. Many times, when we say beginning of the year, everybody set goals. People are copying people. You know, we carry this thing from school. 
exam time, you know, we are stretching our neck, we carried it into real life. Listen, people write other people's goals. I mean, I don't care telling you my goals for the year. Because my vision is different from you. If you copy it, you are wasting your time. People write goals in competition to other people. People write goals because they want attention, personal gratification. I mean, people write goals for many wrong reasons. The reason why you set goals is because there is a vision you have. There's a vision you have. Say, Father, today I receive grace to fulfill my vision. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that from today, no one will live without a clear definition of what his vision for life is. Holy Spirit, I pray today, touch every mind, touch every one's spirit with a clear sense of purpose and direction. I command that the Spirit of God this week will rest upon you. Reveal to you the future that you were born to manifest. May you live to fulfill your destiny. May you live to fulfill your destiny. In the name of Jesus, any power that blinds your mind to the future, today I destroy it. And I pray for you from today, let the Spirit of God reveal to you what you were born to become. In Jesus' name. today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.